welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Grateful day, blessed people. I'm back. I missed a couple of days due to the holiday, sharing love and spending time with family. It's been a long, long time, y'all, but I am grateful. I am grateful. I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all of God's children and all of God's creation. And on Memorial Day, the day of the year that most Americans honor the fallen soldiers of the United States Armed Services through ceremonies and such, those that died serving and protecting this country and its citizens, let us, in their memory, and in the memory of all those who worked so hard for the protection and for the betterment of this country and her citizens, for those ones who loved and believed in this country enough to sacrifice their own lives in their attempts to bring equality and unity to all of God's children in America and abroad, let us honor them by our continual efforts to unite and improve the quality of life for everyone in this country of America and all over the world. Remember, those fallen soldiers fought and died to defend this country from outside threats. This country, Americans claim to love so good. Let us not be that very threat to ourselves by continuing to divide and violently destroy our very homeland and her citizens with hate, violence, racism, injustice, selfishness, greed, and destructive rule. Cause whether or not we like America or each other, here we are, together. So, regardless of race, creed, color, or political views, cause America is a country full of diverse citizens, as is the world, but let us all work together in a sincere effort to grow up, straighten up, and rise up for the advancement of America, her citizens, and all the citizens of Earth. Stop police brutality. Stop gun violence. And stop the racial injustice and division in this country, allowing not the loss of those fallen ones, our loved ones, and fellow American citizens to be in vain. Instead, let us honor them by radiating the love and light of our own mighty am presence, thereby raising the vibration of the entire nation as we, all of the children of God work now in this reality for that day when the dark night of war shall no longer reign. And that day is possible, because if mankind can prepare and set up wars all over the world, then so too can mankind prepare for and work for peace all over the world. And nope, it is not unreasonable or unachievable if the children of earth really want it. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. The Book of Thomas, The Contender the secret sayings that the Savior spoke to Judas Thomas which I, even I, Mathis, wrote down, while I was walking, listening to them speak with one another. The Savior said, Brother Thomas while you have time in the world, listen to me, and I will reveal to you the things you have pondered in your mind. 
Now, since it has been said that you are my twin and true companion, examine yourself, and learn who you are, in what way you exist, and how you will come to be. Since you will be called my brother, it is not fitting that you be ignorant of yourself. And I know that you have understood, because you had already understood that I am the knowledge of the truth. So while you accompany me, although you are uncomprehending, you have, in fact, already come to know, and you will be called the one who knows himself. For he who has not known himself has known nothing, but he who has known himself has at the same time already achieved knowledge about the depth of the all. So then, you, my brother Thomas, have beheld what is obscure to men, that is, what they ignorantly stumble against. Now Thomas said to the Lord, Therefore I beg you to tell me what I ask you before your ascension, and when I hear from you about the hidden things, then I can speak about them. And it is obvious to me that the truth is difficult to perform before men. The Savior answered, saying, If the things that are visible to you are obscure to you, how can you hear about the things that are not visible? If the deeds of the truth that are visible in the world are difficult for you to perform, how indeed, then, shall you perform those that pertain to the exalted height and to the pleroma which are not visible? And how shall you be called laborers? In this respect you are apprentices, and have not yet received the height of perfection. Now Thomas answered and said to the Savior, Tell us about these things that you say are not visible, but are hidden from us. The Savior said, Every human body, like the the beasts, is begotten irrational. Doesn't it appear like a creature erect among other creatures? For this very reason, those that are above do not appear among things that are visible, but they are visible in their own root, and it is their fruit that nourishes them. But these visible bodies survive by devouring creatures similar to them with the result that the bodies change. Now that which changes will decay and perish, and has no hope of life from then on, since that body is bestial. So just as the body of the beasts perishes, so also will these formations perish. Do they not derive from intercourse like that of the beasts? If it, too derives from intercourse, how will it beget anything different from beasts? So, therefore, you are babes until you become perfect. And Thomas answered, Therefore I say to you, Lord, that those who speak about things that are invisible and difficult to explain are like those who shoot their arrows at a target at night. To be sure, they shoot their arrows as anyone would, since they shoot at the target, but it is not visible. Yet when the light comes forth and hides the darkness, then the work of each will appear. And you are light, enlighten, O Lord. Jesus said, It is in light that light exists. Thomas, spoke, saying, Lord, why does this visible light that shines on behalf of men rise and set? The Savior said, O blessed Thomas, of course this visible light shines on your behalf, not in order that you remain here, but rather that you might come forth, and whenever all the elect abandon bestiality, then this light will withdraw up to its essence, and its essence will welcome it, since it is a good servant. Then the Savior continued and said, O unsearchable love of the light! O bitterness of the fire that blazes in the bodies of men and in their marrow, kindling in them night and day, and burning the limbs of men and making their minds become drunk and their souls become deranged. And that which is imprisoned in them bodies, within males and females by day and night, and that moves them powerfully, burns secretly and visibly. For the males move, they move upon the females and the females upon the males. Therefore it is said, everyone who seeks the truth from true wisdom will make himself wings so as to fly, fleeing the lust that scorches the spirits of men. And he will make himself wings to flee every visible spirit. And Thomas answered, saying, Lord, this is exactly what I am asking you about, since I have understood that you are the one who is beneficial to us, as you say. 
Again the Savior answered and said, Therefore it is necessary for us to speak to you, since this is the doctrine of the perfect. If, now, you desire to become perfect, you shall observe these things, if not, your name is ignorant, since it is impossible for an intelligent man to dwell with a fool, for the intelligent man is perfect in all wisdom. To the fool, however, the good and bad are the same, indeed the wise man will be nourished by the truth and, Psalm 1-3, will be like a tree growing by the meandering stream, seeing that there are some who, although having wings, rush upon the visible things, things that are far from the truth. For that which guides them, the fire, will give them an illusion of truth, and will shine on them with a perishable beauty, and it will imprison them in a dark sweetness and captivate them with fragrant pleasure. And it will blind them with insatiable lust and burn their souls and become for them like a stake stuck in their heart which they can never dislodge. And like a bit in the mouth, it leads them according to its own desire. And it has fettered them with its chains and bound all their limbs with the bitterness of the bondage of lust for those visible things that will decay and change and swerve by impulse. They have always been attracted downwards, as they are killed, they are assimilated to all the beasts of the perishable realm. Thomas answered and said, It is obvious and has been said, Many are those who cry out to those who do not know the repose of their soul. And the Savior answered, saying, Blessed is the wise man who sought after the truth, and when he found it, he rested upon it forever and was unafraid of those who wanted to disturb him. Watch and pray that you not come to be in the flesh, but rather that you come forth from the bondage of the bitterness of this life. And as you pray, you will find rest, for you have left behind the suffering and the disgrace. For when you come forth from the sufferings and passions of the body, you will receive rest from the good one, and you will reign with the king, you joined with him and he with you from now on, for ever and ever, Amen. Isis Unveiled, Chapter 11 Democritus of Abdera shows us space crammed with atoms, and our contemporary astronomers allow us to see how these atoms form into worlds, and afterward into the races, our own included, which people them. Since we have indicated the existence of a power in the human will, which, by concentrating currents of those atoms upon an objective point, can create a child corresponding to the mother's fancy, why is it not perfectly credible that this same power put forth by the mother, can by an intense, albeit unconscious reversal of those currents, dissipate and obliterate any portion or even the whole of the body of her unborn child. And here comes in the question of false pregnancies, which have so often completely puzzled both physician and patient. If the head, arm, and hand of the three children mentioned by Van Helmont could disappear, as a result of the emotion of horror, why might not the same or some other emotion, excited in a like degree, cause the entire extinction of the fetus in so-called false pregnancy? Such cases are rare, but they do occur, and moreover baffle science completely. There certainly is no chemical solvent in the mother's circulation powerful enough to dissolve her child, without destroying herself. We commend the subject to the medical profession, hoping that as a class they will not adopt the conclusion of Fournier, who says, in this succession of phenomena we must confine ourselves to the office of historian, as we have not even tried to explain the whys and wherefores of these things, for there lie the inscrutable mysteries of life, and in proportion as we advance in our exposition, we will be obliged to recognize that this is to us forbidden ground. 
Within the limits of his intellectual capabilities the true philosopher knows no forbidden ground, and should be content to accept no mystery of nature as inscrutable or inviolable. No student of hermetic philosophy, nor any spiritualist, will object to the abstract principle laid down by Hume that a miracle is impossible, for to suppose such a possibility would make the universe governed through special instead of general laws. This is one of the fundamental contradictions between science and theology. The former, reasoning upon universal experience, maintains that there is a general uniformity of the course of nature, while the latter assumes that the governing mind can be invoked to suspend general law to suit special emergencies. Says John Stuart Mill, if we do not already believe in supernatural agencies, no miracle can prove to us their existence. The miracle itself, considered merely as an extraordinary fact, may be satisfactorily certified by our senses or by testimony, but nothing can ever prove that it is a miracle. H.P. Blavatsky There is still another possible hypothesis, that of its being the result of some unknown natural cause, and this possibility cannot be so completely shut out as to leave no alternative but that of admitting the existence and intervention of a being superior to nature. This is the very point which we have sought to bring home to our logicians and physicists. As Mr. Mill himself says, we cannot admit a proposition as a law of nature, and yet believe a fact in real contradiction to it. We must disbelieve the alleged fact or believe that we were mistaken in admitting the supposed law. Mr. Hume cites the firm and unalterable experience of mankind as establishing the laws whose operation ipso facto makes miracles impossible. The difficulty lies in his use of the adjective which is italicized, for this is an assumption that our experience will never change and that, as a consequence, we will always have the same experiments and observations upon which to base our judgment. It also assumes that all philosophers will have the same facts to reflect upon. It also entirely ignores such collected accounts of philosophical experiment and scientific discovery as we may have been temporarily deprived of. Thus, by the burning of the Alexandrian library and the destruction of Nineveh, the world has been for many centuries without the necessary data upon which to estimate the real knowledge, esoteric and exoteric, of the ancients. But, within the past few years, the discovery of the Rosetta Stone, the Eppers, Dobigny, Anastasi, and other papyri, and the exhumation of the tile libraries, have opened a field of archaeological research which is likely to lead to radical changes in this firm and unalterable experience. The author of Supernatural Religion justly observes that a person who believes anything contradictory to a complete induction, merely on the strength of an assumption which is incapable of proof, is simply credulous, but such an assumption cannot affect the real evidence for that thing. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 13 Because of certain individuals in the room on Ascension Day, we thought it unwise to give forth certain descriptions of things concerning the ascensions, but it was the most magnificent thing ever witnessed on this earth since the height of the second golden age. The effect over the atmosphere of America as those 25 ascended was the most powerful things we have ever witnessed in the human octave, and of course it was so charged and qualified that it covered the whole of the United States. A thing unknown in the formation of the earth occurred at the Tetons. You will remember the vein of gold at the back of the audience chamber, well, that extends through the mountain in each direction. 
deep down the veins of gold curves so that it is practically under the center of the mountain. Now, I did not do this myself, but when the ascensions took place, streams of that metal were drawn through the earth until it formed a canopy of those golden streams up, over, and above the audience chamber in the mountain, a thing that was never known in the history of the earth before. I say that, to give you some idea of the power that was released through the earth. Now you see, that would be about 18,000 feet from the point under the mountain from whence this was drawn from the vein up, through, and over. It would be around 14,000 feet these streams of metal were drawn through the earth, which makes the canopy over the audience chamber. That shows to me the power of intelligence within the cosmic light. Now this is outside of our efforts, of any one of the ascended masters. I want you to see the difference. That was from the intelligence and power within the cosmic light, that is the light projected from the great central sun by the great group of ascended masters there. That is a definite activity. While of course our efforts cooperate with that insofar as certain cosmic activities are required, I want you to feel that as a wholly independent activity from what we are doing in the requirement. Once you realize, I mean bring into action in your feeling, that this is just as definite a thing as if you had a factory and you went out and set your machinery into action to produce a certain material with it, it is just as definite as if you went out and planted your grain and seed and produced certain crops, you would expect results. Of course this is far more definite because it is divine action in which there is no atmospheric or human condition to interfere with it. Beloved Saint Germain What I am trying to do is convey into your feeling for constant action the mighty reality, because as quick as that becomes active in your feelings, then I can do a thousand times more in withdrawing that from you than I can otherwise. Now, this is not drawing any of your physical energy, not for a single instant, but it is drawing through you the power of your own mighty I am presence. This is what I want you to feel, because it cannot draw anything from your physical energy and strength. That is why, as you realize this, you will find yourself sustained abundantly with all the energy you require for any service you wish to perform, and that will change the whole thing within your bodily activity, and as you give it a little more attention, it will make it practically impossible for you to become tired or exhausted. Then in an emergency when you need to use more energy, it is always there, and you feel no sense of tire or exhaustion from its use. Mrs. Ballard, can we use the activity of the canopy like we use the blue lightning? Saint Germain, I was just going to say that. If you will be aware of that, for instance, don't feel that this is the least complicated when these various things are added, but just feel that the essence from that gold forms a canopy above your human bodies as you move before mankind. This would be a very marvelous thing for you, especially for your voices. That essence would release into your vocal cords and would give you some of the most astounding things in your voice. It would give a liquid quality and a flexibility of the vocal cords that would delight you beyond words. Beloved Saint Germain <laughs>